Hello and welcome to this audio recording of the weekly Research Roundup, the research published between the 25th of April and the 1st of May 2023. I'm Katrina Pears, the Research Correspondent for the Emmy Association. Research has picked up again this week with 10 new ME-CFS studies and 21 new long COVID studies. We have highlighted one of the ME-CFS studies in more detail. Paper 5 is a preprint study, meaning the science has not been peer-reviewed and verified, which trials the use of fecal microbiota transplantation, FMT, on reducing ME-CFS symptoms. Studies on the gut microbe in ME-CFS have probably shown an imbalance in the bacteria present. Fecal microbiota transplantation can be used to restore gut bacteria back to its normal composition and diversity and so improve gut function. Process involves implanting normal or beneficial intestinal bacteria and yeast from a healthy donor into the colon of a person where there is evidence of harmful changes in gut microbiota. In the study, a colonoscopy was used to transplant the fecal microbiota. This study looked at the effect of FMT on fatigue severity and health-related quality of life, HRQOL, in 11 patients with ME-CFS, 10 females and 1 male. Four different questionnaires were used to evaluate if there was a change in health and fatigue. All patients were evaluated at baseline from 1 and 6 months following FMT. Disappointingly, the results were insignificant over time, showing no significant improvement in health or fatigue. The study did show a slight but significantly non-significant improvement in fatigue at one month using the modified fatigue index cell. But this was not further supported by the other questionnaires, such as the visual analogue scale. This study, however, did find that FMT was safe, tolerated, with no adverse effects. Some things to note about this study. It was randomised, double-blinded, perceived control pilot study, meaning that patients or researchers did not know who was receiving what treatment. Here, five patients received FMT from a universal donor, and six patients received the placebo, which was autonomous FMT, i.e. receiving their own fecal transplantation. The study was a pilot study, hence the very small size. However, small size studies limit the extent in which significant findings can be found. There was a huge imbalance of males to females. In this case, it might have been advantageous to have used just one. There was no control group, so if a benefit was found, it would be hard to evaluate the findings. The average duration of illness was 6.5 years, plus or minus 2.5 years, which is probably not representative of the overall MECFS population, which is likely to have a much longer illness duration. There are several ways of administrating FMT, but colonoscopy was chosen in the study as it has been shown to be a superior method in treating IBS and more successful. However, this also reduced the sample size in the study as a large proportion of patients withdrew from the study as they thought the procedure would be too burdensome for them. Probably the most disappointing factors of this study was all outcomes that were measured were self-reported through questionnaires and no biological specimens were analysed. It especially disappointed that any changes in the gut microbe wasn't analysed or looking into IBS symptoms, for example. You can read more about faecal microbiota transportation on our website, including a recent radio interview on the Today programme and in our Medical Matters section. In conclusion, results are disappointing as this study was clearly thought out as it was randomised, double-blinded and placebo. 
However, it lacks a control group, size and is restricted by the outcomes measured. I feel a few tweaks in this study could have told us more about FTM in MECFS. You may also be interested in reading paper 2 in the Long Covid reference section. This study looks at treating Long Covid with apheresis, which is an invasive procedure which involves removing blood from a vein, passing it through a machine that separates any harmful components. In the case of Long Covid, this tends to be the removal of small blood microclots and then returns the remaining cleansed blood to the body. In this study, the researchers also analysed blood samples and those which reported significant improvement after two rounds of aphresis also showed significant reduction in neurotransmitter autoantibodies, lipids and inflammatory markers. It is worth looking at some of the graphs in this paper as some staggering decreases in the biomarkers are reported, such as the decrease in inflammatory cytokines interleukin-6, IL-6, which is commonly reported in long COVID research. There are a few problems in this research, as here the study reports on 27 patients with non-COVID, there is no control group or placebo group. Furthermore, the study includes 27 patients as they are reported clinical improvements, but we do not know from this how many were originally included or how many didn't see improvements, so weren't included in the analysis. Additionally, patients receiving apheresis also received a herapin treatment which is used to prevent blood clots from forming in people who have certain medical conditions and is also used to reduce the chance of blood clots forming in certain medical procedures. Therefore, we do not know which treatment caused the positive effect. We have also covered apheresis in several of our website blogs, medical matters and in a research library covering treatments for long COVID. However, at the moment, there are no properly conducted clinical trials with placebos to show that apheresis safe and effective. Furthermore, we need more hematologists to get involved in this area of research. Thank you for listening to this audio recording of the weekly research roundup, where we'll be back next week with the next instalment.